Hi everyone, before we go ahead and get started, I just want to give a quick content warning. This game contains themes of trauma, particularly the sorts of trauma commonly experienced by queer people of marginalized genders. The game materials itself contain gore, nudity, and sexuality, and uh, please be warned that this arc will likely touch on themes of grief, trauma, sexuality, mental illness, and violence. So we'll continue to give content warnings throughout. If that sounds like that's going to be a bad time for you, then go ahead and tune in next time for a more standard arc for the Eternity Archives. There is a library that exists at the Nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Everybody. Welcome to the Eternity Archives, a bi-weekly actual play TTRPG podcast where we play interdimensional archivists who try to right the wrongs of the multiverse. Thanks for tuning into part three of our Dungeon Bitches arc. Before we start, I wanted to remind everyone that this chapter contains themes of trauma, particularly the sorts of trauma experienced by queer people of marginalized genders. There's also themes of grief, sexuality, mental illness, and violence. So if that's not something you want to listen to, you might want to skip this episode. If you got here after the last episode, I'm really sorry. That one was pretty heavy. <laughs> and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> I hope that uh, this content warning is uh, is helpful and you didn't somehow stumble in by listening to half of our episode last time. So on that note, uh, let's go ahead and jump in and introduce ourselves. I'm Ziva. My pronouns are she, her, and I play uh, Linda, the human office lady, and also her very scary counterpart, who honestly even kind of hurts my feelings. Listening to the last episode, I was like, she's so mean. Why is she being so mean to me? And then I remembered that <laughs> it was me so <laughs> you were being mean yeah <laughs> who could have done this <laughs> so i have a question for my co-hosts as they introduce themselves so what's your favorite example of the dark self or the mirror universe trope hey so my name is bappy my pronouns are they them uh i play rilda jaquel who i use as an emotional punching bag do i like the or no my favorite example of the dark selves trope there's so many the only thing is, they're really weeaboo, like... <laughs> You've never given us a weeaboo answer before. Oh, okay. Well, this is going to be super weeaboo. All right, all right. Strap, strap yourselves down. This is spoiler territory. But in Kamen Rider X-Aid, the main, one of the villains who's just like this video game bug boy who wants to like turn the world into a battle royale video game tournament and just like doesn't give a fuck about if anyone dies. As long as he gets to play video games with the main character is actually an alternate version of the main character who spawned from video game disease. <laughs> just just you know there you go this is a true story so i was looking at the tv tropes for like mirrorverse and dark self because i wanted to uh remind myself of my version or my favorites and i saw yes that there was common writer on there and i was like i wonder if bappy's gonna do that one i think there's multiple examples in common writer as well but that one just happens to be my favorite because i love my asshole video game bug boy who just loves murder and video games <laughs> 
So, uh, hi, I'm Dorka. I play Zen, the badass lizard lady. And my favorite example of the mirror universe trope is the origin of the trope, which is Star Trek. If we're being honest, I couldn't actually think of very many others, except for Transformers has a mirror universe uh, universe, but it's garbage and I don't actually like it very much at all. So um, definitely Star Trek. Though I will say that, like, I think it's interesting how there's a lot of stuff in Star Trek that, like, you know, happened in the 60s and people have kind of, like, misremembered it and exaggerated it. Where, like, you know, people think of it as, like, the mirror universe where, like, everyone was totally opposite. But, like, Spock was still kind of the same character, just kind of, like, in a worse universe. Like, he wasn't really evil Spock so much as, like... I don't know. It's more complicated. It's more nuanced than just like, oh, it's the evil version of everyone. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to be pedantic and point that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, nerd. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it does matter. Mirror versus uh, is more complex than just, oh, no, it's the evil version of you with a goatee, though the goatees are indeed canonical, which makes it uh, amazing. Yeah, we forgot to describe Dark Linda's goatee in the last episode. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. What was I thinking? Um, so that's now that is that is now actually canonical that Dark Linda has a goatee at all times and just no one mentions it. It's it's normal. oh no, now I think she's sexier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like it's it's not the evil version of your characters. It's the much more sexier, saucier versions of your characters. <laughs> that that actually pretty much is Star Trek canon. Actually, that that everyone's <laughs> just the sexier versions of themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is why I also love the Star Trek Mirror Verse, especially the DS Nine version, which has had absolutely no influence on Dark Glenda in any way whatsoever. <laughs> but I think my favorite example um, would be an incredibly goofy one, which is from Muppets Most Wanted. What um, the fuck? <laughs> Kermit has, has an evil counterpart who's a mob boss. He's like a Russian mob boss. And so he pretends to like be Kermit by watching the Muppet show. And the way that they do it is so fucking funny because it's like the most obviously evil character speaking in this like thick heavy Russian accent being like hello I am Kermit the Frog and they're like oh yep this is all normal and fine this is great <laughs> it's extremely funny if if you if you need a laugh after listening to us angst around for like an hour and you will um yes go watch Muppets Most Wanted that's um I wish Disney was paying me to say that no I just really love the Muppets Muppets are good to love. I also like the community Darkest Timeline, but I've only watched that season once because it was a really bad season. The episode that, that creates it, though, is like quality television. Oh, yeah, it's so good. But yeah. but yeah, it was like the fourth season delved more into the Darkest Timeline. And that was dumb. It was bad. And I was really sad because I wanted more. I wanted more like sexy, dark Alison Brie, but you know. So in our last episode, uh, we ended up with our group back together, but um, everyone's still having a spectacularly bad time, especially Rill, who is now headed off into the darkness to track down their journal. Are y'all ready to get back to some action and angst? And sexiness. Oh, I fucking am. You know I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Baffy's ready and we're getting dragged kicking and screaming back into it. I am excited Woo, for more Dungeon Bitches. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Linda's really worried. She's going to not hyper press right now because things have been very like tense and weird, but she is going to follow and sort of give Zen a nod like, Come on, we better go with. Zen doesn't see that nod. 
Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, shit. That's right. You're invisible. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Linda's going to go over and grab Zen's hand and gently, like, pull it. Like, come on. And Zen says, Linda, do something. About Rill or or about the... I don't I don't know if I can do anything about the j- journals. What, what should I do? Yeah, about Rill. They listened to you. They tried to stab me. Linda nods, even though Zen can't see it. And then she is going to come up behind Rill as non-alarmingly as she can. Loud footsteps. Yeah, I guess I guess loud um, normal footsteps. They're quiet footsteps. They're not high heel footsteps. And <laughs> she's going to gently give Rill a tippy tap on the shoulder and say, Rill, honey, are you all right? They flinch and they have also drawn their hood back on. The, like I, I imagine they just had a hoodie on. Uh, and also, their quote-unquote lantern is off, because honestly, they're trying to conserve the battery on their phone if, if something horrible happens. I am now trying to decide between share somebody's pain and reveal truths. Well, I will say, Rill just keeps walking. Like, they flinch, and then they just keep walking. They, they are not really paying attention to you. It's kind of obvious to anyone who maybe kind of knows them. I don't know if you all have ever seen them like this. Probably not to this degree. There have been times where they just kind of disappear for days on end, but that's sort of like normal depression fugue where you're just like, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just going to lay in bed. They have never really been like purposefully like pushing people away because they're like hurt or scared. And this is what it this is. This, they just want to be like left alone. All right. I'm going to roll for share somebody's pain. And that's plus soft for me, which is plus two. And if I need to, of course, I can add my bond. So Linda is going to go ahead and I guess not actually give Rill a tippy tap on the shoulder because Rill has communicated, please, please no touch. But Linda is going to say, Rill, whatever happened to you, I'm sorry, but I hope you know that we're here for you. This is hard and I don't think any of us know really what's going on, but at least we have each other and that's something. We, We have that much. And let me go ahead and roll. I rolled a four plus two, which is a six. So I'm going to use my bond on Rill to turn that into a seven. Okay, so on a success, you can pick one of the... Oh, you, you pick one or both of the options below. You suggest something you think will help ease their pain. You each get a bond on each other. Okay, I think we should probably both get a bond on each other. Okay. And I am also going to suggest something that I think will ease their pain. Which is, you know what, Rill? It's okay if you need to just chill or you just need us to lead you or if you'd feel better if you lead. Anything is fine. Whatever you need. You just let me know. We'll make it happen. So one of my lantern kiddo moves is still working stuff out. Uh, Whenever a fellow dungeon bitch flirts with you, shares your pain, heals you, or uses a unique move that involves intimacy between you, you may ask her one of the questions listed below and get an honest answer. So the question I'm going to ask is this. As Linda is saying all this stuff, they stop and they kind of turn and look at you. Their face is just kind of scrunched up because they're doing that thing where you want to cry, but you don't want to. Like you're trying to hold back tears. Their eyes are probably a little bit like watery and stuff like that. Why do you care? And that is the answer, or sorry, the question, why are you doing this? Because you're my friend, and I care about you, and I want us to all get home safely. Yeah, so if you answer, honest answer, you gain an additional bond on me. Okay. So they just kind of, they shake their head a little bit. Not like they don't believe you, but more just like 
they don't know what to think of the situation. And they look at Zen and they just look away again. They don't keep walking forward, so there's that at least. <laughs> Linda waves Zen over, and when Zen doesn't see her wave, she calls Zen over with her voice. And then says, well, I think we should come up with a plan, but also, does anyone have any light? It's so dark in here, I can't see my hand in front of my face. Wordlessly, Rill would just take out their phone and turn a flashlight back on. Um, just curious, can anyone else see my hand in front of my face? I can't see your hand or your face. Real shakes their head. Oh, am I? Oh, no. And uh, she just sort of, again, a turnaround that you can't see, but she does a turnaround to see if like all the parts of her are invisible. And truly, all the parts of her are invisible. The, the leggies, the butt, all the parts of the arms. <laughs> no matter how she turns around, she can't see any part of her. And then she says, well, um, thanks for the light. Hmm, that didn't really help. Uh, all right. Plan. Let's let's come up with a plan. There's there's got to be a way out of this. Maybe we should start by finding our journals. Maybe maybe there's a way to contact the library. Zen nods. Zen says, "Every time we've had to leave somewhere before, it's been through the journals, through an anchor. I can't imagine we have an anchor now, but the journals are probably a first, a good first step." Real kind of mumbles to themselves, just like, yeah, that's what I was trying to do before you stopped me. You weren't doing anything when I found you. Zen, it's it's okay. Let's let's all calm down a little bit. How what is that blood? Zen takes a deep breath, like inhales, exhales, grits her teeth a little, and finally is like, Yeah, hey, uh, Rill, I might have gone a little hard on you just now, but in my defense Someone who looked just like you did shoot a gun at my face, like, a few minutes ago. They just give a shrug. Like, they're just like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, they- whatever. You're not acting normal. Did you run into someone, real? I didn't see anyone, just- just plants. No. And then they would just start walking again? Because they don't really want to have this conversation right now. Well, I guess it doesn't matter what direction we go, so- Onward and upward, I suppose. Yeah, good job picking a direction, Rill. It is a definitely <laughs> forward direction. They just, they're just in this space where it feels like you guys are patronizing them, which doesn't help at all. <laughs> Linda might be being gently patronizing, but it does come from a place of like, yay, you did it, and not like, you know, she's trying to be helpful. Yeah. Zen just has no idea, like, how to... I guess be nice, be gentle with her tone. <laughs> so she's not intentionally patronizing, but like also isn't very good at making herself not sound mean. So I was going to suggest that maybe we roll a dungeon aesthetics to see what kind of room we're in. And then I kind of want to roll an events or dangers. I mean, we could do a weirdness too, just like for funsies. But now that we're all together, let's like fight some stuff or solve some puzzles. Okay. Okay, so let me roll an aesthetics, a weirdness, and then either a dangers or an events. Or I guess actually all of us can roll one of those. So which one am I rolling? Choose your favorite. Uh, I can do dangers, I guess. Okay, I'm going to roll weirdness. I'll roll aesthetics. All right, let's do this. I rolled a 12, which is more spooky plants. 
I got a 51, which is the same, rebuilt many times, a patchwork of brick, stone, and cement. So it kind of seems like we're just continuing down this same weird corridor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me do uh, dangers now. Six. Five. Okay, so yeah, I got Hypnotic Mirror for dangers in the dungeon. And I think the way this will manifest is kind of like we're walking and how the walls before that rail was originally in start shifting to the brick and cement, these walls started shifting into mirrors. Uh, and maybe even like some of them started parting way. And I don't think it's a complete transition at first. So the bottom of the walls maybe started shifting and if someone is very perceptive or paying attention, they would notice a glint out of the corner of their eye from whatever kind of light or something hitting the mirror. But eventually it is very noticeable that the walls are not the same anymore. It's just all mirrors. So Linda cannot see herself, but as we walk around, I think Linda realizes that she can see herself in these mirrors, but she doesn't see Rill and Zen in the mirror with her. She sees her sister and her nephew walking with her, a uh, small 10-year-old boy, and the three of you look so happy. But as you keep walking, as we keep going by these mirrors, you find them falling behind, and you see yourself going further and further ahead. And your sister and your nephew are trying to catch up, but no matter how fast they seem to move, they keep falling behind you until finally you're alone again. Rill and Zen, they see this too. We see what Linda's seeing, or we see our own versions of this? We see what Linda sees in the mirror. Before I say how Rill reacts, I guess, how does Linda react to seeing this? Linda, when she first sees them, she's confused but delighted. Uh, maybe she thinks she's seeing a memory, or maybe she's seeing, you know, something that happened. Maybe time is odd here. But as she walks forward and sees them further and further behind her, she starts to realize that something something odd is going on and by the time that she's totally alone she whirls around and starts running back to the mirrors behind her and she calls out she says Cheryl Jacob are are you here are you okay can't necessarily see but she's running back to the mirrors and she calls out again for them Jacob Jacob are you here sweetie are you okay you can hear her voice as she kind of gets farther away and turns around at the end of the mirrors and starts running back. We can actually see Linda running back and forth, like in the mirror. And I think as we do, as Linda does run backwards towards like the beginning of the mirror, she does see her reflection reunited with theirs. She's going to stop and put her hands on the mirror like she's reaching out for them. As you touch this mirror where it's you know, quote-unquote, reflecting this event, this happy reunion. Darkness kind of starts seeping from the point of contact between your hands, and the scene in the mirror fades out. Even the spot you're standing in right now darkens. I'm assuming Rill and Zen didn't follow you at first, so you're alone in this dark, mirrored hallway. 
Linda starts to get panicked. She sort of like slams her hand against the mirror and goes, no, 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 I can't leave you. Come back. Come back, please. You hear a child's voice crying, but you can't see anything. Jacob, it's it's okay. I'm I'm coming. I'm coming as soon as I can. And Linda starts to like pound on the mirror with her fists. So I think at this point, Zen turns around and tries to find Linda because there's nothing in the mirror anymore. There's sort of just this darkness filling the corridor. And so Zen goes back there and starts calling for Linda. Linda, we're still here, Linda. Come on. No, I can't leave them. Something, something's happened. I can't, I can't leave them. I can't leave them again. They need me. Linda, they're not really here. They're here and they need me. Real, help me with this. Real did not follow you. <laughs> Real's just standing back there, just like, hands in their pockets, hoods, hoods drawn. They're just kind of like, staring at the floor. Linda keeps pounding on the mirror harder. She's getting desperate and, and frantic. And uh, she takes a point of hurt from just like, slamming her hands into it. Her hands start to bleed. Zen follows that pounding on the mirror. And reaches out and finds a body in the dark, grabs her, grabs her by what she assumes are her shoulders, and says quietly in her ear, Real needs you now too. You can't leave Real behind either, and Real is here. Oh boy. That sounds like get a read on somebody to me. Yeah, oh, yeah I think you're so. Right. <laughs> get a read on me. Oh, actually, no, you know what? Instead of doing the roll, I'm going to use that bond to. Offer them one XP if they do something I ask of them. Ooh. That actually works really well because my going along with it is that if I'm offered XP to do something from a spent bond, I get an additional XP. So Linda is going to turn, you know, with her her busted up hands and look at Zen behind her. Her shoulders slump and she says, are you sure that, that they're not here? They're not, are they? I don't think so. Why would they be? How could they be? I don't know, but I... And she turns and looks over her shoulder and sees nothing in the mirror and looks back at Zen and says, you're, you're right. Let's, let's go. Let's help Rill and let's get out of here. So I get two XP and a little more trauma to carry around. So I'm actually going to take a point of hurt from that too, of having to leave her sister and her nephew again. Aww. When we come out of that darkness and find our way back, do you think Linda has her journal on her now? Yes. Linda has learned something about herself. She's managed to overcome the temptation of this yucky library. Yucky being a highly technical term. (laughs) So so she feels the familiar weight in her pocket and stops. She pulls up short for a second and uh, reaches into her back pocket and pulls out the journal and says, well, I'm... I'm not sure where this came from, but um, good news, at least. Uh, one down, two to go. Open it. See if it says anything. See if we can contact the library or, I don't know, anything. Linda opens it and flips to the page where it had said, come to the book drop immediately, and um, it's blank. There's no message. There is no information about where you are. It's just a blank page. Sick. That wasn't real. That was me. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. No. Mm, I'm not sure how to get in touch with them. I, I talked into the journal once and that didn't do anything. So 
Maybe we just have to keep going. Maybe if we have all of them together, we can maybe we can contact them then. We've always gone together and come back together, so it seems like a good next step. It's our best shot. At this point, Linda's totally exhausted, but she knows that that everyone has to keep kind of pushing on. Real just kind of once more mumbles to themselves like maybe that's not supposed to happen all the time. Maybe what's not? Coming back together. Real, don't lose hope. We'll get out of here. We're not leaving you behind. There's nothing they can do that would make me leave you behind, Rill. Yeah, I think she just proved that, too. They can't look at Linda. <laughs> uh, they would just kind of draw a breath and just keep walking forward. So as we're walking down this like long, seemingly endless corridor, uh, Zen is going to turn to where she assumes Linda is. Well, you can see it because there's like the blood dripping down her hand. (laughs) I guess that's true. So Zen is going to turn to the dripping blood and say, so who were those people? That was my sister and her son, my nephew, um, Cheryl and and Jacob. They're on Earth still. I didn't know you had family. Just them. Just them and me. I miss them. You know, we weren't we weren't besties. We fought a lot growing up and so on, but we all had each other. And after what happened with Jacob's dad, it you know, we only had each other. And I just I hope they're doing okay. I'd like to go back and see them maybe. If I can. I have family here now. You know, you all are, are kind of my family, so uh I'm glad you're here, but I I do miss them. Well, I hope you get to see them again one day. Thanks, Zen. And Linda gives her a pat on the shoulder, or on the arm, more accurately. (laughs) (laughs) If we continue kind of in silence for a bit, Grill would finally get up the nerve to, like, but they'd just be like, uh, we should probably get that hand of yours bandaged up. Um, Oh, and Linda, like, holds her hand up in front of her face and she's like, notices that she's bleeding profusely. <laughs> and she's like, I, yeah, I suppose so. It doesn't hurt? Maybe a little, but, um, things are a little different here. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously there's not, I don't have any supplies on me, but, uh, you know, maybe I can t- wrap something around it. Linda's invisible, and so are her clothes, so maybe we can take a piece of her shirt? If we tear it off of her, will it become visible? <laughs> Rail's just, like, uh... thinking on that, like, just squinting <laughs> up at the ceiling, like, uh... Linda, uh, tears off, like, the, like, a piece of her shirt kind of, like, around her midriff, so she's got a little, like, Britney Spears shirt on right now, <laughs> it's but, a crop top. Uh, yeah, no one can see she's got a crop top on, so she doesn't feel weird about it, she just kind of tears a piece off, and it becomes visible. And uh, she hands it to Rill. I, I just realized all they can see is the blood. They can't see where the blood is coming from. So it's like you can kind of tell, but it's like the cuts themselves wouldn't be visible, right? No, just the, but just like the blood coming out of them. <laughs> I think it's probably enough blood. Like it's kind of coated the side of her hand that you can like tell what's going on. I, I think as they start doing this, they suddenly realize the kind of conundrum that they found themselves in, and they look a little uncertain, but they just, like, very gingerly, like, start bandaging your hand up. Zen gives Rill a thumbs up. <laughs> they just kind of offer a weak smile at you, and then they just, like, 
I guess to be thorough, they just bandaged Linda's entire hand, so it's almost like a mitten now. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, you can see at least at least a hand. <laughs> on the other hand, no, Linda, it's this hand. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Rill's just like, they give a small shrug and they're like, uh, yeah, sorry, uh, maybe when we get back to the library, I can uh, do something better. No, no, it, it helps a lot. I'm not as drippy, so... Thanks. Uh, yeah. Linda gives Rill a gentle, non-surprising hug. Zen says, Well, I'm not honestly sure how much it would matter for you to lose a bit of blood in here. Uh. <laughs> yeah, Rill would look at you because you're still covered in blood, right? Like, Yeah, I think it's mostly, like, dry by now. Yeah. It's dry, but it is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, uh, the other you um probably bled enough to die three or four times over oh that uh, turns linda's stomach a little bit she's she's not all into this like blood stuff is that what happened to your sword oh yeah oh they're just like thinking, okay, how hard does Zen stab this other version of me where it broke her fucking sword? <laughs> <laughs> that definitely puts them on edge a bit, but they're not going to say anything else. They kind of like don't entirely hug Linda back, but sort of give her a half hug, like pat on the shoulder and let go and then start, uh, you know, walking back or not walking back, but walking forward again. Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening. I wanted to jump in with a quick reminder that you can support us by leaving a review on Podchaser or iTunes. Since we're an independent show, this helps us a ton. You can also support us by buying stickers, making a one-time donation, or joining as a monthly supporter on our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Our monthly supporters get exclusive behind-the-scenes content like character sheets, GM notes, and access to our fan discord. Before we get back to it, here's a message from another great show on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. Check them out and give them a listen. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey, Kat. What are the spell pieces in this ad? Um, advertising, pandering, obligatory, and team. Then I want to use my piece, Honest, and cast Honest Advertising to tell people that Sword of Symphonies is an actual playtest campaign of the game that you made, starring us. Ooh, ooh, and I want to cast Charming Pandering and tell them how much fun we are to listen to. Ooh, or would that be Charming Team? I think I have a Charming Team, yes, Kirsten. Oh, Nick, do you want Honest Advertising to tell them that we have sort of a cozy horror vibe and that people can listen to us every Saturday? Oh, and before we do that, I'd like to add my spell piece music because I write everything in-house. Yeah, I love your music, Kathleen. And I think your sound work in general is top-notch. So let's cast honest music advertising and charming team on the listener and invite them to join us on Sword of Symphonies. All right, is it time to roll up another dungeon? Yeah! Let's switch it up. Let's, uh... I'm calling dibs on rolling dangers this time. Okay, I can do aesthetics. Oh, well, I did weirdness last time, so I want aesthetics. Oh, did you? Okay, okay, I'll do weirdness then. Okay. All right, let's do this. 52. Furniture, actually hungry mimic. 
Dungeon Aesthetics, 63, Morbid Frescoes, Memento Mori, and Apocalyptic Visions. Ooh. Okay, a one and a six, six, so 16. Oh, mutagenic. Things living here become warped over time. Oh, this is a fucked up little room we got. <laughs> this is like an apocalypse room. Yeah, yeah I guess- an apocalypse room full of like Memento Mori that bite you. Oh, so I'm thinking like, uh, uh, through all these rooms, you know, they've kind of got like an artsy museum-y feel to them that could be like, aesthetically speaking, some semblance into the library. Because even as weird as all the rooms are in the library, like as eclectic as they are, there's, you know, hydroponic farming rooms and outdoor park type simulation rooms and kitchens and all this. So, you know, it's still got like that library quirkiness. And so that's kind of always been a thing. And and this continues with this haunted fucking room. Instead of, like, just the library with the books and shelves and whatnot, it's, like, decayed. The shelves are maybe, like, rotting. Their books just scattered all over the floor. Some are maybe burned. Uh, some are, you know, pages are ripped out. Yeah, and that's just kind of what I think of, like a, a decaying library. Yeah. So Bappy already set the scene, so I can go ahead and do more specifics. On the worn bookshelves around you, between the, the burnt books and the books missing pages, you start to notice some glass cases, uh, some artifacts. Some of the boxes are simple glass. Some of them are jeweled like reliquaries, full of important artifacts from another time, another age. Hanging off of one of the bookcases is a banner with a massive emblem on it. It's burnt and frayed at the edges, and it looks like it's seen the front of an army at many a battle. Below this banner, in one of these jeweled reliquaries, sits a skull. A human skull, you think but you're not certain. And as you walk into this room and begin to look around, rummaging between the books and the cases and the artifacts, being careful not to collapse any of the crumbling bookshelves, Zen realizes that there's something familiar in here. She begins to recognize the things around her. The banner is from her homeland. And more than that, it's the emblem of her mother, and the kingdom that she was supposed to take over. Zen, how are you feeling about this? Zen is playing this close to the chest for now. As they move through this room, she's going to like reach up and tear this banner down and leave it on the floor. She's hoping that the others will just kind of pass this off as like, you know, Zen being Zen and won't ask too many questions. I imagine as we are walking through this library room with like the decaying books and, and also scattered with swords and, and signs of battle. Um, and you took down this big banner. But as we keep walking, there are more banners lined up on the walls uh, surrounding us. And even pieces of armor or weaponry uh, and all of them are the uniform of your kingdom or your mother's kingdom 
and you know everything has that emblem on it and has those colors of of your kingdom as you're walking around and you're looking at these cases these weapons and banners the destroyed books you start to get flashes in your brain some battle a battle to end all battles the last battle that was ever waged and you can see two massive armies where the ones bearing the uniforms and the emblems around you completely decimate their enemies. And you start to get the unsettling feeling that this was maybe some kind of shrine to their victory, or maybe that they had completely destroyed whatever had been here once. This is impossible, Zen says. They can't be here. Who, Zen? What's, what's going on? It's not important. Linda is poking around in these these books, tiptoeing over them and checking the shelves occasionally, and she walks past a glass case holding a massive sword and uh, hoping that, that it might cheer Zen up a little bit. Uh, she gestures to it and says, well, at least there's some swords. Maybe you could get this one out. Zen recognizes this sword. I think it used to be hers. But that was another life. Another Zen. But she is unarmed in this place. And she feels more comfortable with a weapon. She'll pitch a bit of a fit, um, but only directed at this glass case. She'll, like, punch it open and take the sword out. As she punches it, the glass begins to shatter, not into that typical spiderweb pattern, but uh, into the pattern of a scowling face filled with too many teeth. And the case seems to shake and shudder to life, opening its jaws wide and going in to bite one of Zen's hands as she reaches in to grab the sword. Shit! Zen still has that knife, but like, that bookcase cut her hand open. So I'm going to take a hurt from that. Do you want to just take a hurt or do you want to roll and endure pain? Oh, yeah. Let me roll and endure pain. Oh, I rolled a 12 and I get a plus one. Oh, my God. So I give no shits. Get an experience yeah. point and take no hurt. Damn. You just like punch right through that fucking glass case. So I guess I um punch through that case and grab my sword out. And then for good measure, I'm going to use that sword to smash the case even further you do you smash it into nothing but a pile of glass shards and wooden splinters zen is like taking out a ton of anger on this furniture so before you had that flash of the the battlefield of the two sides warring this time you have a flash of something more specific specifically you fighting on the battlefield, which is, you know, a little weird for maybe the one leading the charge, but I imagine Zen is the type of person who likes to get her hands dirty and join in the battlefield, because who else is going to be more competent than she is at killing people and proving her strength? For the most part, it's, you know, weapons. It's, it's swords clashing or weapons clashing. There's arrows flying. But in this particular moment, you have this person down on the floor, their neck bared, and you just lean forward and snap right through that, that neck. And then as the snap ends, you kind of flash back into your 
body here. What side of this battle was she on? So at least in this vision, I would say that isn't clear to you. It just gave you a sense that you are the right side. And of course, you'd be on your side. What other side are you going to be on? These people who are trying to fight you, that's dumb, futile effort. It's just worms writhing. And I think that's like sort of a degree of anger and violence that's like too much even for Zen. She's killed a lot of people, but it's not usually personal, if that makes sense. Yeah. She like grabs at her head, kind of claws at it a little. Like these visions are confusing her. They're causing her some clear discomfort but no one else can see no one knows what she's seeing grill is kind of like walked up closer to y'all and they would just be like uh are you are you okay do i look okay real uh no yeah sorry (sighs) sorry that was harsh no i mean you're uh you're right it was it's don't don't worry about it We need to get out of here. We need to move on from this place. We don't need to be here. We shouldn't be here. None of this should be here. I didn't do this. I mean, I I wouldn't have thought you did. That that doesn't make any sense. Zen's just ready to keep walking. Zen, this, this place seems to know what gets to you. I don't even know what it is. It's just, it's like it knows. And uh, if you could see Linda, you'd see her hugging her own, her own arms. She's had quite enough of this. She says, don't let it bother you too much. This is whatever this is. It's all right. It's not real. None of this is me. I left this behind for a reason. I didn't do this. Of course, of course you didn't. She comes to another one of those banners and tears it down. As you tear it down, there's another brief flash of vision and it's like, You, in the traditional, whatever, royal armor, uniform, standing at the front of, like, a victorious army, and there's just, like, smoke. That's it. It's just a quick flash. That's it. Like, not even a split second. Just in your head, that image. I think everyone sees this one. I think everyone gets a little bit of that apocalyptic vision. The shape of the banner, the fabric of the banner is maybe even reminiscent of, like, a cape some kind of cloak. And Zen growls and looks at the others and is like, let's keep moving. Let's get out of here. I don't want to be here. We don't need to be here. There's nothing here. Well, shouldn't we keep looking for your journals, Zen? Um, I mean, yeah, there's lots of books around here, so maybe it's, uh, it's in here somewhere. She throws up a hand, like, all right, fine. And starts just, like, opening cabinets. And- As Zen is opening these cabinets and and tearing through them. All of a sudden, she feels like a pair of teeth bite her on the back. So Zen, like, yells and reaches back for that sword and tries to pull it free. It does not come free because it is not actually a sword. Like the case it was in, it is a mimic pretending to be your sword. And so it refuses to yield its grip on your back. All right. I'm going to lash out by just trying to, like, rip it free, you know, matter, uh, no matter how, it, how much that might end up hurting me. 
Okay, I rolled a 10 plus 1. Jesus. Oh my god. So is that an overwhelming success? Yes, yeah, yes. 10 plus is overwhelming. Okay. Zen rips that sword away and, like, throws it away from her. It hits the wall and, like, floats back up and comes at her again. And what Zen does is she grabs one of those banners, like, off of the ground and uses it to, like, wrestle this sword down to the ground and, like, wrap it up. And is left with just, like, this blade wrapped in the symbol of her people. And now she has to get rid of them both. That's fucking sick. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) So I think she's gonna find one of these cabinets and just, like, shove this sword mimic and banner, like, all the way into the back. As you shove the bundle into one of these cases and slam the door shut, you get a brief glimpse of a familiar face in the glass. A face that you cared about on your home world. So this is a, uh, a human woman. She's older. She's got silver in her dark hair. She's darker skinned. In, in Earth terms, she would basically look sort of Middle Eastern. She's solidly middle-aged, but still looks like she could kick some ass. And Zen, like, stands there transfixed for a moment and then turns away from that cabinet and leaves the sword behind. I think leaving the sword behind is uh, a good enough reason to gain your journal, don't you think? Yeah, because I think it's it's the sword and it's also the banner, and I think the two of those in combination are significant. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Zen feels like in the, the pouch she's wearing at her waist, a weight manifest, and she reaches in and finds that journal and says with some relief to everyone else, Okay, we can go now. She holds it up, shows everyone. Well, good. Uh, Real just nods. Yeah, keeps going. Any clues in there, Zen? Zen opens up the journal. And it's not blank anymore. There's writing in there, but it's like someone had written in there with ink. But it's all smudged. It's completely illegible. And I think if Linda checks hers, she will find that it is the same. Huh. Well, that's, um, an improvement? Hopefully. What's an improvement? Zen shows Rill, the the ink-smudged journal. Is it exactly the same in both their journals? I mean, it's probably slightly different because their handwritings are slightly different. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's... I don't know if if it's better, but, um... It could be better. It could be a note telling us we're all about to die. Um, yeah, I... yeah, uh, that's true. They don't really seem bothered by that. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And they just kind of keep walking. Once we get out of that, like, apocalyptic library section, and not even right as we get out, Zen is going to put some distance between herself and that place before she stops and says, Hey, Rill, do you want to check on Linda's hand again? See how it's... See how it's doing? Make sure you don't need to change the bandage. (laughs) I think they would kind of look at Zen with, like, an arch brow, but, like, squinting at her. Like, like, you know, like, she's invisible. Like, they didn't say that, but they're just like, uh, I mean, yeah, I can 
check. I'm not sure how much, you know, I can do, but yeah. I've got to be honest, I could use a couple minutes of a breather before we keep going on. This has been one heck of a day. Zen says, great, and sits down against the wall. Linda sits down and holds her hand out like as noticeably as possible. Like, like as close to in front of Rill's face as she possibly can. Yeah, uh, they would like crouch down and like unbandage the hand, but it's like they can't do anything. Uh, so they would just kind of look at it for a few moments just to see if like more blood is coming out. I'm guessing at this point, since it's been like, I don't know how much time has passed, but I don't think we know either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, since it's been wrapped and like bound, I must say the bleeding has ceased at least. But, you know, so it's just dried blood. They would just kind of shrug, just like, because they don't know what to do with this. They're just like, um, I mean, does it still hurt or? It's, I'm, it's feeling better and I'm feeling less woozy. I think just these couple minutes I should be, I should be good. Uh, okay. How are you two doing? Sun says, I'll be fine. I always am. That thing didn't hurt me too badly. Uh, do you want me to look at your wound? Yeah, might as well. It'll be easier to uh easier to treat than Linda's, right? Linda tries to laugh, but it sounds uh it sounds very bad. It's a Titus laugh. Oh. Zen just has like some teeth marks on her back. Rill would try to cuz they don't have anything. They don't have any bandages or anything like that. Linda rips another uh little bit more of her shirt and tosses it towards Rill. Here, this might help. It's not like you can see anyway. Plus, my bra is cute. <laughs> they probably like smile a little bit at that. Uh, I don't. I imagine they can't wrap this uh, strip of Linda's shirt around um, Zen. Oh, probably not. Yeah. So they probably <laughs> they just try to like put pressure on it and clean up the blood that is there. I can imagine they maybe tried to rip off a, a piece of fabric from their shirt, but they are not able to, and they hope no one saw. <laughs> but. Yeah, they, that's just what they would do. They would just kind of clean up Zen's wound in silence. So Zen's gonna try and make some talk and break that silence. Just be like, Hey, Rail, are you doing okay? And it's the sort of, like, the sort of tone that someone has when they're, like, they know the other person isn't doing okay, but the other person, like, isn't saying anything. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, are you okay? I've been better. Sure. It's been a weird day. Yeah, but like, look, Linda's got her journal now, and I've got my journal. And I can only imagine that means that there's something coming up for you. And I want to make sure that you're going to be able to handle it. I, I can handle it. It's fine. You don't have to worry about me. But I am worried about you. Why? Why wouldn't I be? I, I, I don't know. Sorry, it was a stupid question. What's what's up? What's going on with you? Nothing is nothing. I just it's it's been a weird day, and I I just you know I, I'm processing stuff. I'm I'm sorry about the knife thing. You know that, right? Yeah, sure. It's it's fine. It's it was stupid. It was I was stupid. It's no, no, I came at you and you weren't expecting it. Look, I'm honestly like 
thrilled that you took a swing at me. <laughs> they just have, you know, they're behind Zen, so Zen can't see it, but they just have this really tight smile, just like, oh, cool. I'm glad, I guess, that uh, you're happy I try to stab your face. Yeah, like, it's it's complicated. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I, I won't, I guess. Linda? Will you two please just hug it out already? I don't want to be touched right now, please. Can you emotionally hug it out? See? See? You're not okay. I don't know what that means. If you don't have a little a little talk and and maybe like assume that Zen's being genuine with you and you do your best to be genuine with Zen, I am going to find a get-along shirt in this godforsaken place and put it over both of you. I'm genuine. Why wouldn't you think I'm being genuine? I'm there's nothing for me to say. Like, look, I, I know I was harsh on you earlier, and I know I've been harsh with you in the past, and I don't know, I... Fine. I, it's fine. You're right. It, I mean, everything you've said is right. It's true. So, you don't have to be sorry. There's n- there's nothing to be sorry about. I, it's just, if I've contributed to this... No, what? Whatever this is. I don't know what this is. You, you all are, are talking about this thing like I... It's fine. It's nothing. I just... You're good. You're fine here. Just... They they just stand up and they just start walking off. Like, forward, rather. For fuck's sake, Rill. We're not in any hurry. This, this is just an endless corridor. Just sit down and tell us what's up with you. They just stop. <laughs> they take a deep breath. And they're just like, there's nothing up with me. It's a fucked up, weird, fucked up library... Uh, there's, I don't fucking know, monsters or, uh, other versions of, of us, apparently. You know, we don't know what's going on here. Uh, uh, who fucking knows what led us here in the first place. We've been through some shit before and I've never seen you like this. Okay, well, sorry, I guess. I, I don't really know- Would you uh, stop what- fucking <laughs> apologizing? I don't know what you want from me. I've told you what I want from you. Okay, well then, I'm sorry I can't give it to you. And they would just keep walking again. Probably faster. They're, they are speed walking towards wherever they're going next. Linda, do something. <laughs> <laughs> Linda is going to watch Rill sort of stomping away and sigh and get to her feet. Sounds like, fuck it, I tried. I know. It's... This place is hard. And it's strange. I don't think any of us are at our best and brightest today, Zen. It's not your fault. Let's go make sure they don't get into too much trouble, and hopefully we'll be we'll be back drinking margaritas again before we know it. Though, um, I'm not sure I'm in any mood to hold a sleepover again anytime soon, honestly. I just wanna play Mystery Boy. I know, I know. We'll Aww. play Mystery Boy soon enough. <laughs> So, Rill, you are headed to the next room in this fucked up, all warped, bad time library. Shall we roll again? Yes. All right, Dork, I think you get danger. I get danger this time. And I get aesthetics? I Yes, I think I'm weirdness. Okay. One. Two. Uh, Stark Brutalism with slabs of flat, unadorned concrete. What is brutalism? 
Brutalism is like all the ugly uh, government buildings in D.C., the like really ugly ones. Oh, okay. Or Control. If you've ever played Control, that's like okay, all brutalism. Yeah. 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 Mine's uh, 56, which is the sound of sobbing on the edge of your hearing. Oh, God. This is going to be so bad. Mine is uh, 64, Territorial Haunting. Oh, mean. <laughs> Angry Ghost. Okay. Cool. <laughs> As Rill walks into this next room, they see a figure up ahead. It's too far and too dark for Rill to really make out. And as Rill notices it, it disappears behind some of this architecture, kind of darts away. And Rill can just hear, what was it, sobbing at the edge of their hearing? Yes. So what does this room, because it's like stark brutalism, are there like buildings inside this room? Like, is it like a weird warping of space where they're almost in like a closed in plaza with lots of buildings? Or is it like the walls and stuff are like brutalism style? That's what I was thinking is like, it's all like odd angles and rough concrete and uh, endless ridges and nooks that do nothing except for make you feel kind of uneasy. Then real, they kind of look up and around and see what they can see. There are all these weird angles and warped and twisted corridors and everything. It is somehow familiar. It's like if someone had turned like your own home into like an Escher painting. Oh, I hate it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's horrifying. Somehow this place is familiar to you. You know it is meant to be your home, but it is very much not your home. Yeah, they would stand there for several moments. I think they'd look back where they came from. Is there a door? Like, can they see, like, Zen and Linda, like, coming towards them? Or... You've probably turned one of those weird corners. Okay. The sobbing is grating on their nerves a bit because it makes them feel bad. They know it's bad news, right? Like, consciously, on a high level, intellectually, they know... This is a fucking trap, but they're also just like, for fuck's sake, god damn it. And they'd very warily, you know, call out like, uh, hello, does someone need help? And just sort of walk towards the sound of the sobbing. As you walk towards it, you see that shape up ahead of you again, and you can hear that that's where the sobbing comes from. But as you get closer, they disappear behind another one of these corners. And suddenly you hear the sobbing coming from somewhere else entirely behind you in a different direction than the one you came. Fuck. What happens if they just wait there for like a few minutes? The sobbing gets louder, but not closer. They just close their eyes and sigh and they just start going towards the sobbing again. So, uh, real as you get closer and closer to this shape, you realize it's a familiar face, a face you haven't seen in a long time. You realize it's the face of a friend from back home, your friend Cal, wearing a long white dress, her head in her hands, sobbing. Rill would freeze. They are looking at this person. Once again, on an intellectual level, they know this can't be real because it doesn't make any sense, Right. And they want to turn away. They know that's the smart thing to do. But that is 
a mistake they've made before, as in not turning away. And at this moment, it is a mistake they are going to make again. So they walk towards this figure, not quite reaching out yet, but they do walk closer. She looks up as you walk closer. Do you make eye contact? I do not look away in time if I try to, and her eyes catch mine. Her eyes are dark and empty. And when you lock eyes with her, she is suddenly standing right in front of you. Jump scare. I don't know if Rill would say anything. I think they would just be looking at her, like, obviously scared, but also tired. And they're just like, okay, cool. What do you want? Up close, she doesn't look entirely real. She's like very faintly translucent. And she stops sobbing and she puts her arms around you. And you can feel her. She feels physical, even if she doesn't look physical. And she embraces Rill. Rill's teeth are gritted. Uh, Their hands are by their side. But they would slowly reach up to see if they can touch this ghostly figure. To, like, not quite return a hug, but just be like, oh, is my hand going to go through her body or what? Like, you know. If you just lightly touch her... You can feel her, you can make contact, but if you try to apply, like, any sort of real pressure, you just phase through her. Yeah, Rill's not gonna apply that pressure. So you can touch her just a little bit, very faintly. Uh, hi. Hi, Rill. You're not real, right? You're a ghost? Does that mean you died? Does that mean you died? That's ridiculous. Why would you think that? You're here. Why couldn't I be here, too? I mean, but you look like a ghost. Do I look like a ghost to you? No. So why why are you here? I came looking for you, Rel. Uh, that causes, like, a strike of lightning right through their chest. And they squeeze their eyes shut. They're just like, "Mm, no, no, you didn't. Why would you look for me? You walked away from me. We've all made mistakes. But this place, it it can be just us. Just you, just me. I thought that isn't what you wanted. There are no expectations on us here. No one to apply those expectations. Don't you have expectations of me? Don't you have expectations of yourself? Yeah. I mean, I kind of have to, don't I? We don't have to worry about any of that right now. Come, follow me. Let me show you. Uh, yeah. They would just follow her. And she's just leading you, like, deeper and deeper into this twisted house. It's getting darker and darker. And that's where we'll pick up next time, here on the Eternity Archives. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Ziva. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. 
Subscribe to our Ko-fi for all sorts of exclusive bonuses, behind-the-scenes content, and other fun surprises. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay! Roll dice! An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.